0: Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So last time we were talking about, among other things, being vocally self-critical. The One thing I'm vocally self-critical about is that my vocals are not so great today. So apologies to <laughs> listeners if they're having to listen to me coughing or uh, a slightly scratchy voice. But I've got plenty of water here. But another thing we were thinking about when we were reflecting on that topic, Jeffrey, was what do you do after you've been vocally self-critical? So you've got your team together. We've got psychological safety. We've got everybody ready to talk about what the problems are. And now magically those problems get solved,
1: right? (laughs) Well, probably not, uh, unfortunately. I mean, maybe for some people, if you get agreement that, yep, we could do better in this area, that instantly people go from uh, agreement to action. But in my experience, that's just not usually the case. I've
0: never seen that.
1: (laughs) I I wouldn't say never, but I'll say it's it's pretty rare. And in fact, very often people nod their heads and almost ritualistically agree about things uh, that they agreed that they could do better in. We should fix that tech debt. Boy, we really should make the releases
0: automatic and, and you know scripted. Yep, we should do that. Mm-hmm.
1: We, we should do that. I've heard that so frequently. I've come around to believe that the word should could, should just be replaced by we're not going to.
0: Ah, great. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are not going to fix the ted, te- tech debt.
0: <laughs> but that, that shouldn't mean that it's hopeless, right? So we should be able to figure out something. And there's an obvious thing to do, right? So the obvious thing to do is just to go and impose the change. Right, so okay, oh, folks, yeah. <laughs> let's let's forget the sprint, uh, forget the planning today. We're we're just going to uh, automate those deployments, and you're all going to do it because I said so.
1: Yep, I've decided.
0: Indeed, so that <laughs> solves the problem. Good. All right. Well, thanks for coming to the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I think the people who'd be satisfied uh, with that are probably not longtime listeners. But anyone who's looking for that are probably at the wrong podcast anyone who's wondering why that's the wrong podcast, maybe you can see the earlier series on unilateral control because that's what you're describing. Someone someone goes to the idea of like, yep, this is a problem, and therefore not only is it a problem, but I think I know what I what I want people to do to fix it. And I'm just gonna tell them. And that can happen a few different ways. Maybe you're a manager and I'm gonna just order them to, or maybe you're not a manager and you'll just berate everyone and say, you know, how terrible we are and and tell them that they're bad people if they, <laughs> if they don't make the changes you want. And somehow
0: that never seems to
1: work out. It doesn't seem to work out.
0: And uh, see see our, our previous episode on unilateral control link in the
1: show notes. Carry on. So what else can we do? It, it is it is very common. Probably the most common flavor that I encountered when I was doing consulting, and, and I'm sure you see this as well, is that someone in, in position of authority has decided, and maybe, you know, that everyone's come to an agreement that we should be better in this area. What I often saw people say, we, we could be better at quality. We really should be better at quality of our code. And then they would um, say, right, I've decided what we're going to do. And they would say, bring me in to teach people how to do test-driven development and developer testing more generally which can be good. I mean, that is that is a good way to improve quality if people World
0: World-class expert shows up to teach everybody how to do things right. Sounds good. <laughs> I, I bet that worked perfectly and you collected giant fees as a result of turning up to do that.
1: Yeah, no, sadly, uh, strangely, even even uh, having a world-renowned expert show up was not enough to actually go from into action. Uh, people would come to the classes and they would pay attention and, and they would say, oh, this is interesting. But um, th- when they went back to their desk, there wasn't uh, so much in the change department. <laughs> and and it got to the point, so I started uh, making a, a regular habit of this, of asking people what was going on, what did they think about the training? And it, it, it got to the point where actually that became a standard routine, is I would come in, I would be introduced by the manager to the team, and this is Jeff, he's here to, to teach you about this. And that was like sort of step one, that unilateral control being said, here's the person going to do it. But what I learned to do was immediately talk to people, either in small groups or one-on-one and say, so what do you think about this? And um, I, so I became curious about what people were, were saying. And what they would say is, well, you know, this is just another thing. This is the most common response I got. Yep, they're saying they want this, but this is just sort of flavor of the day. Um, in, in two months, this is going to be forgotten. All they're going to care about is that we're hitting our, our milestones, that we're hitting our deadlines.
0: Mm-hmm. That with terrible code that doesn't work would be fine. And we, we don't care about that anymore. We just care about getting um, something that we can stick. Those days it would have been burn onto a CD and send to the client.
1: Yeah. And so they agreed that there was a problem. Um, yep. This is, we we talked about it after the last project. Everyone agreed that we need to have higher quality, but you know, that's just talk. And uh, we, I don't believe that we're going to see really action. And and that lack of an engagement from people was why they really weren't changing the way that they worked.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what did you do about that? So, that, that would have
1: must have made it a, must
0: have been awfully depressing to turn up and think, Oh, I'm going to train all these people who are then going to who know that they're just going to ignore what I'm te- teaching them.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. And um, But good news is we were able to come up with um, a couple of things that were effective. And so, there's actually two kind of stages. The first thing I, I realized is this sort of if I was in that situation and it was late in the day and I was already there uh, and there hadn't been any sort of agenda setting about. Uh, to get people on board about why this was a change that they should be excited about. Then I discovered that uh, it was very useful to directly attack their belief. What people were trying to do was to do the right thing. Um, they, they might have been discouraged about change, but they, they still thought, well, th- what the company wants from me is to be writing the code the way I know how. If I do this stuff, it'll be slower. So I should, I should go back to what I know how and just hit the deadline. That's what the company really wants from me and that was the belief that had to change and so i came up with a technique where we would go back to the manager and say you know people are a bit skeptical and uh, if you if you want them to believe you what you need to do is it's not just enough for you to tell them you need to go get someone from the business and they're they're thinking the business cares about the deadlines more than the quality of code you need to bring someone from the business in and say and predict the future and say look I know what's going to happen in a couple months you're going to be feeling pressure for a deadline and you're going to have a choice at that moment of either doing what you know how or doing the right thing and I'm telling you today that what I want you to do is when you get to that moment of crisis I want you to do the right thing I want you to do the make the high quality choice that's a decision we've made as a business that's the right thing to do that's what we value Mm-hmm. And in many cases where I've wound up in that
0: situation, I've had that person actually make a personal promise you you come and tell me, and I will phone whatever customer is screaming about it or whatever other person seems to be confused about it and I have the authority to explain that this is what we're doing and to uh uh get yelled at by that person and and I personally will take the the hit for that yep, so where I've been able to do that, that makes a big difference
1: yeah. and it's a good example of how very often what's an obstacle to change is people doing what they think is the right thing, which is which is a bit a bit odd.
0: And you have to over communicate what the right thing
1: is exactly. And why? And I think this is this kind of led into the second part of uh, what I learned, which is I learned I could help this process uh, speed speeded along by uh, helping the management themselves get clear earlier in the process about why they wanted this change being made so that they could communicate that up front. That could be part of the, now the introductory conversation as opposed to something after the fact. And the thing that was very helpful is I came across a technique in a book uh, out there, and it's uh, a people may have heard of called Spin Selling. That's S-P-I-N, link in the show notes as always. That's right. And it's an acronym. And it basically says that when you're Selling you want to make sure that you are that the client is clear about what it is why they would be buying and that the way that you you get there is to understand what their problems are and the implication of those problems and those are that's the p and i and spin mm-hmm. and
0: it may be that the solution to those problems don't involve the thing you're trying to sell. That's the thing that always is the biggest insight for me there is that you need to be open to the notion that they might say, and I want to solve this problem, and so
1: I want to buy this thing from you. And you say,
0: actually, my thing doesn't do that.
1: Yeah, I, that's a great point. And I, and I found that that was one of my discoveries as well, is that we can actually sometimes save a lot of time for both ourselves and the prospect by going through this exercise to find out what they really cared about was something else entirely. So maybe they had us in because they've, they've been had a, a result that said, oh, we need to be better at quality. But when it got into there, it's like, so what's the implication of that? How important is it really? That they, they didn't have much to say. And it was it was helping people make that leap to what's the implication uh, that I came up with a, a tool uh, that I've used many times and in many contexts since, since which I call the five so what's. That's awesome. So, so it's not the five
0: whys, which people may know. It's the five...
1: It's the five-so-whats. Great. So how do I use the five-so-whats? Well, give me, give me a problem. Maybe you can be the person who says they could be better at quality. Why don't you feed me that line? Sure. So yeah,
0: Jeffrey, we, we just really need to be better at quality. Uh, we've had a report from a due diligence
1: investigator, and, and they told us that our quality was really low. We need to fix it. Right. So I hear you're saying that, that you could have better quality. Let's just say that you, you don't. I mean, so what? I mean, what what really happens? <laughs> Uh, well, for one
0: thing, uh, we're going to have unhappy developers and the board of directors is going to ask me,
1: you know, what have I done about the report? And there won't be any answer. Yeah. yeah, And and, and then, so, so what? You don't have an answer. What, what do you think would happen next?
0: Oh, well, I, I guess the, the board would tell me to go and get one. So I need I need some training for my developers so they'll feel happier. And so the board will get off my back. And if the developers aren't happier, you know, so what? Well, they'll keep quitting, You know, our our turnover rate's really high, so they'll keep quitting in droves. And is that, has that been a problem for you? Well, actually, no, it's pretty easy to hire new trainees and so we can cycle them pretty quick. But it, again, it bothers the board, you know, the
1: board gives us a hard time about our turnover rate. Okay. And if the board remains unhappy, then so what, what's, what will happen there?
0: Well, you know, actually I own 75% of the
1: company, so they may yell at me, but actually not much will happen. Ah, okay. It sounds like uh, then you have a problem, but the implications of solving it really aren't don't make that big of a difference to you.
0: That's right. So, can I have some training for like maybe fifty pounds or something? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. and you know, can you come on Thursday like after uh, after work when everybody has a beer? would, would that be ok? We just <laughs> want sounds... to get it done
1: quick, yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. We can leave the role play now. Hopefully, people can understand that's a, that's an example where, someone uh, might come in and say, oh, yes, quality is important. And you know, here's all the very important reasons why developers are unhappy. And the, the initial probe sounds like it's something important. The board has said so. But you get a bit further into it, and it turned out that uh, actually they didn't have a really strong reason to change. And,
0: and in that situation, what would you do? Would you go ahead with the training the way the person wanted, or would you
1: gracefully bow out? uh yeah we would not move ahead fortunately we were you know we were talking about price points where uh it was more than than 50 pounds <laughs> and that was great i mean i you know would say uh, you know well, good luck with that but uh it sounds like we're not you know we're not really here to do what, what you're looking for because if you want real change it's it's not going to be uh that fast or that cheap so it was very useful in the case where it was someone who, you know, thought that they wanted something, but it actually wasn't all that important. But I want to mention, it was also even more helpful in other cases where people did have reasons, but hadn't ever really themselves thought through. And that could be some of the most fun uh, meetings would be with a group of people. Uh, They're all colleagues and they're all coworkers. And you're in a meeting here, we're talking to this vendor about how we can improve our quality. And then I would challenge them and say, well, you know, well, so what? What's the implication of if you... Could do it faster. And then when people had good answers, they would start pinging back and forth off each other. And the sort of the excitement and energy would build. And you'd have things like, uh, we could release more often. We could go home on time on Fridays. Uh, that would be nice. Nobody
0: would phone us on Saturday at three in the morning exactly, tell us that our software was broken.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, I would love to, to you know, go on call and have the feeling I'll actually be able to sleep through the night. Uh, exactly. And people had all of these different individual uh, stories about how this problem that they all recognize, the, when it became them talking about the implications for themselves, they got very excited, and and sometimes that carried on in implications for the business that they were very excited about. Oh, I can see that if we were spending less time bug fixing, I think you know we would be able to get so many more features done, and our clients would be so much happier. This this project would be a huge success. I would love that. You know, that would, they could get very excited about it, and when you uh, had that kind of excitement, then it was a lot easier to get to that, the change that we're talking about. Because now people know, all right, I'm here. This is not just flavor of the day. I know that not just there's sort of a vague problem like we should be better, but the implications that what we're actually investing is not the problem. It's not the problem that's motivating. It's not just that we should
0: be better because the should doesn't doesn't, not convincing. The book says we should do it
1: it's here on page 72 and and we're supposed to do it. (laughs) That never works. Exactly. But it was the personal implications. It was the personal stories where they were talking about problems that they had lived through and would be excited to not live through anymore. And when they could really believe in it, that that kind of agenda setting that got people excited. And one of the things that was interesting about it was that they would often end up uh, aligned about what they wanted to do uh, yep, we're going to make this investment better at good quality. But they could—it'd be okay if they all had their own reasons for the action. So one person might value, you know, sleeping through the night. Someone else might value uh, more predictability. Someone else might value lower cost. But if everyone had their own eye, their, had done their own five so what's, then uh, they would be be motivated. So these are the tools that I found to be very helpful in getting these agenda setting, and and I use them myself. Because I, I use them to help my own communication. If we go back to the where we started, okay, we have a, a problem, we're, we're self-critical, but we also want change, then it can be very helpful for me to start by being very clear about what's the implication for myself. What is it that excites me about this? Because it's very easy for me to have sort of a very strong feeling about what I want to do, but not articulate very clearly to other people about what's the outcome that has me excited. Mm-hmm and probably not
0: also to discover as many opportunities for achieving that outcome as there could be. So you you, you go to one that's worked for you before, at least this happens to me all the time. I go to something that's worked for me before, and if I haven't done something like the five so what's, I'm, I'm not sure what other sorts of things there might be. So I do the default easy one. We always just add tests, and that may not be the right solution for this particular piece of tech debt or whatever the problem is. <laughs> it might actually be in this case, there's another option, but if I don't reflect on the implication, I don't know. So it's both a way to discover yourself, what you are thinking and what your motivation is, and to understand and create that interest and excitement in others.
1: Yes. And then the second stage is having done your own self-discovery and shared your own thoughts and, and about what you're excited about, is you can then turn it around and be curious and say, Oh, how about you? Do you also see this as a problem and can what do you imagine would be true if we were to fix it? We take the other people through the five so what's and see see what they come up with. And that could be uh, the kind of thing that might lead to what you described where suddenly you realize there's a, a completely different way. And uh, by getting uh, everyone's brain involved and thinking of the different implications and uh, and thinking of the problem from their own point of view, uh, you come up with uh, exciting novel solutions.
0: There we go. Okay. Well, there are two tools that you can use if you're listening to us to investigate what the implications are of various changes you might be considering, even discover that you're not considering the right changes or that others have a different view of them. That sounds like a really good way to effectively use your vocal self-criticism. So good stuff we'd love to hear from you what uh, your five so what's are. So if you try that out, I I think I might be trying it tomorrow with a client who needs to do some agenda settings. So um, I may have some next week, but we'd love to hear from you folks in the audience. If you try this method, uh, what what were your five so what answers?
1: Yeah, we'd love to hear how you got from agreement to action.
0: (laughs) There we go. So if you want to share those stories, we'd love to hear them. You can uh, tweet them at us. We we do check our Twitter feed, but not as often as we might like. Email's the most reliable, and you can find all the links and so on, uh, both in the show notes and on troubleshootingagile.com. And of course, if you'd like to hear us next week and hear whatever people send us of uh, their four, five, so what's, then you can subscribe in your favorite uh, podcast app of choice. And we'd love for you to do that so that uh, we can come to you next Wednesday with even more exciting, cool stuff. Okay. Anything else, Jeffrey?
1: No, I think that sounds great.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Jeffrey. We'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, Squirrel.